Hello and welcome to Voices of Sitka Kwan. This is Hannah Floor, and today on the show, two conversations about weaving. First, KFSK's Catherine Monahan interviews Deborah O'Gara about her woven work currently on exhibition at the Klassen Museum in Petersburg for the museum's annual Pride Show. And then Janine Gibbons, another content committee member, interviews Evelyn Vanderhoop, renowned Haida weaver and daughter of Dolores Churchill, about finding her way to weaving and the ways that it enriches her life. Thanks for joining us for Voices of Sitka Kwan. So my name is Deborah O'Gara. My Clinket name is Dejuk Suk. I'm living here in Petersburg for the last three years. And I've actually been weaving Raven's Tale for about um, 12 or 13 years. And um, these pieces here, um, the treasure box is one of my first pieces. Um, it was just a box. And Raven's Tale actually is a pretty ancient art form that almost died out and um, was rediscovered around 20 years ago. It had completely died out. Um, only remnants were left or um, and in museums and often in the basements of museums. And it was rediscovered 20, 25 years ago. Um, so there was only a handful of weavers who knew how to do it. And um, they taught people and then those of us who learned taught more people, and so now there's a, a number number of weavers for Raven's Tale. And Raven's Tale is a it's a loom that hangs down. It's not like um, woven like fabric is um, or other textiles. And the warps, which are the things that um, hang down, is made out of um, hand spun uh, mountain goat wool traditionally. Um, though these two pieces, um, the treasure box and the pouch, is um, just merino wool that's been hand-spun. And then the um, yarn or the weft is um, wool that's commercially bought. There's lots of different patterns. The patterns for Raven's Tail actually are very similar and sometimes the same as the baskets uh, designs that you'll see on um, uh, spruce root baskets. So the designs get shared between the two art forms. Is this size part of the characteristic of Raven's Tail? No. Traditionally what the uh, Raven's Tail robes were were um, full ceremonial robes and they were actually originally made to distinguish a somebody who was of high standing in their clan and was um, given during a ceremony and were only brought out during ceremonies when they were hosting other clans or a marriage or a naming or a what Western folks call a potlatch or we in Clinket call Kawik. The so, English name is potlatch, but it's it's basically a ceremony that commemorates or is a, is brought together to um, to do a certain thing, either somebody's passing or naming or adoptions or or a marriage. So Ravenstone has to do with the um, what you were explaining about the the goat, the mountain goat. I guess I'm just wondering what differentiates it from other styles. Of so um, the way that it's woven and the raven's tail you can see has fringes on both sides and. When you weave raven's tail, you weave always from left to right. 
and with one one strand. And so you start on the left, you go to the right of the piece, and then you stop and you tie it off. So you can, if you look at it, you can see these are actually tied off here, and then these are added in at the beginning of each row. These are just little pieces, and so for Radioland, these are just like three by five, and that one's like four by three or four by four squares. And those, those are just samplers. But um, traditionally, Raven's Tail was a huge robe, and when you danced with it, you it flows. And if you can, if you watch some of the old videos, especially on Sea Alaska Heritage Institute um, for the um, celebration, or just just click on Raven's Tail on the internet. And you can see the raven's tail robes being danced, and you can just see the the um, fringes on both sides are just flowing and dancing with the dancer. We're just um, mimicking it in these small pieces, and then even the design part you can see has has tails that come out that you don't tuck them in. Now, if we go over here to where we go. This is Chilcat weaving. This is what, what again? Chilcat weaving. And the Chilcat weaving um, is different than, than Raven's Tail because it's more compact. It's still mountain goat wool, um, but the weft is hand-spun with threads of yellow cedar um, hand-spun into the warp. And it makes it more sturdy and also um, insect resistant. So uh, traditionally pieces weren't this small either. They were huge robes and they came after uh, Raven's Tail. And if you'll notice the Raven's Tail designs are all geometric. There's no curves in there because you go from left to right. And so your designs are always with lines that are vertical or horizontal. And you can make diagonal ones, but you have to do it with horizontal steps, right? And so as the design and the weaving that was traditionally done by women evolved, the um, Chilcat weaving evolved from Raven's Tail and started mimicking or copying the form line, which was an art form that the men were doing in in masks and in totem poles and um, um, house posts and things like that. And so with Chilcat, you can actually make a circle. You can make a curve. You can, um, and I call it almost painting with yarn. And you can do that because you're weaving with from left to right and right to left. With it. So you have long weavers that go on forever, so you keep going back and forth. So there's no fringe. And the other thing that helps make the curves of the design is you can see right in here there's a braid. So the weaving part, the body of the weaving part is two-strand weaving, and the part that's actually making the shapes is a three-strand uh, braid that then goes on top of each other and helps shape the, the circle or the U or, the, in this case, the nose and the mouth. Now, this piece here is a protector's mask, and it is actually part of a whole series 
that um, one of my teachers, Lily Hope, um, developed at the very beginning of COVID. And you'll notice that, you know, everybody two years ago, two and a half year, years ago, were all wearing masks to protect ourselves. And so this was a protector's mask that covered the nose. And you can see that the mask has um, nose and, and mouth. You can actually wear this, though it's not going to protect you from COVID. It's really very symbolic. <laughs> there was several of us, probably about 20 of us, that did masks. And, of course, we all used the same pattern, but they all turned out different, even though we did them together, together yeah. over Zoom at the same time. And they're different colors. The noses are different shapes because we all do things a little bit different. And this is not the one that I did for the show, but um, the show just opened two weekends ago up in Homer, and is going to be touring to about 10 different museums over the next two and a half years. Cool. So it's really cool. So the one that I did has some um, sea otter uh, fur on the top and is orange to um, commemorate Every Child Matters, to remember the children who died in the boarding schools. So this is the only chill cat piece that I have. And then, of course, some things get done... This is a, it started off as a, an iPad bag, though, um, though some people can, if there was a, a pair of these, they could be leggings, you know, that come just below the knee for dancers to wear to, as part of their regalia. Could you say what it looks like? So what this is, this is probably about a 10 by 11 inch square, and it's done in raven's tail, and you can see that this top part, which is um, all my ancestors' pattern, is, um, and this is a combination of chill cat and raven's tail. So it's interesting because this, the all my ancestors can also be done chill cat, and it's compact, unlike the other ones that you can see. Compact being the rows are very close together, and then the rest of it is separated by just a a sixteenth of an inch. For the rose. Um, so it's, it's a combination. And I use yellow and black for the all, all my ancestors and a really brilliant blue for the border. And this blue and this purple are actually the domestic violence colors that um, has historically been used. And I just like those colors. And then I put um, rainbow Swarovski crystals on the inside. And so there's a treasure box on the inside, and that's the name of this pattern is treasure box, and the treasure inside is the crystals. Beautiful. And again, it's raven's tail, so if this was full size and dancing, these fringes would all flare out and, and swing. <laughs> if we wore them as leggings, the, they would flow with the dancer too. So what got me into weaving, I actually ran into, um, you know, it's interesting. I went to a clan conference probably about um, 13, maybe even 14 years ago in Juneau, and there was weavers in the lobby, and most of them I knew, and I just sat there and I watched them. And I remember seeing a book, a spiral-bound um, binding book that was um, put together by Clarissa Rizal. Who is my, who is my first teacher, 
and um, now her daughter is my second teacher. And um, I said, I really want to buy this book from you. And she says, well, it's only for, I'm only selling it to weavers. And I said, well, I'm not a weaver yet. And she sold it to me. And that following year, I started weaving with her. And it's, it's interesting. So about two years later, I started a headband, which I still have not finished, but it's sitting on my loom, and I'm going to finish it. Clarissa has since passed, and, um, and now I'm weaving with her daughter, um, Lily. And that was my first, my first um, um, sort of exploration into weaving. And um, I first started with Raven's Tale. And so my first Raven's Tale teacher was Kay Parker, and it was through a University of, of Alaska Southeast class. And she's an excellent teacher. And I would encourage anybody who's interested in doing any traditional weaving to start with Raven's Tale and take the class at the university. It's, it's not very expensive, and it's invaluable, even if you have to do it on Zoom. And, it's, you know, our, our Zoom things are being perfected. And uh, then I can just say that um, I've been practicing law and being a judge for 31 years, and I'm getting ready to retire so that I can weave full-time. What is the meaning of weaving to you? It's um, being part of revitalizing a traditional art form that had, had almost died out and not only bringing it to life and bringing some of our own um, our past ancestors' designs and um, spirits forward to today, but also looking to see how we can adapt to um, our world today. As in the protector's masks is a commentary on the COVID that we just are still, unfortunately, living through. And it's it's, um, an art form that is not just... um, not just from our ancestors, but it's a living art form that we're bringing to life today. And that was Deborah O'Gara in conversation with KFSK's Catherine Monahan during Petersburg's annual Pride Art Show. If you're just joining us, this is Voices of Sitka Kwan, and we're listening to two conversations about weaving today. The full episode can be found on Spotify, Apple Media, kfsk.org, and seekavoices.org. Up next, Janine Gibbons interviews weaver Evelyn Vanderhoop. Stick with us. I am sitting here today, this evening, with the acclaimed weaver artist extraordinaire Evelyn Vanderhoop. Um, She has been a Weaver for most of her life. Uh, no, she's going to tell us. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want you to know that I am from a weaving family, and they're very well-known weavers. My nanny Selena Paradovich, my mother Dolores Churchill, my sister April Churchill, my other younger sister Holly Churchill. Very, very wonderful weavers who have shared and taught. And I was a painter. I loved oil paints. When I was like as young as nine years old, I painted oils and and uh, went off to university, was an art major and 
did the oils and all the other things that art 101 mm -hmm, all the mm -hmm. different genres of art but <clears throat> it wasn't until I got married then left Martha's Vineyard to go back to Alaska that I did pick up weaving mm -hmm. and I remember um, my mother and my nanny went to uh, Kansas City when oh many years ago 40 years ago there was a exhibit called uh, uh, Sacred Circles and collectors were bringing their objects back from Europe to show here in, in North America and I remember going with little my little my oldest daughter who is now 45 so she's in my arms and I go to see Nani Selena and my mother Dolores uh, because they were honored to be invited to this Sacred Circles exhibit in Kansas City and uh, and somebody walked up to me and because they saw that I was with these honored demonstrators and presenters and they started asking me weaving questions and I was like I'm sorry you just walked up to the only person in this family that doesn't <laughs> weave because at that time I was painting and uh, so it wasn't until um, my life changed and I'm and things were changing with my personal life I and I went back to the West Coast and that's when I saw my mother who had just fell in love with the textiles which not that many people did textiles back then it was just starting to have a revival with the Raven's Tale mm -hmm. so what year was this oh that was in 1991 around that area mm -hmm. and uh so my 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 family my marriage fell apart and I moved back home to Ketchikan for a short while and at that time uh, my mother was picking up the weaving well she was a master weaver of spruce root and cedar but she had um, just fallen in love with the raven's tail which in the past was called northern geometric weaving but now people have coined it Raven's Tail. Oh. And she loved Raven's Tail. In fact, she had learned Naheen from Cheryl Samuel. And, uh, and what is Naheen? Naheen is the indigenous word for what is commonly called the Chilkat techniques. So she had just recently learned the Naheen technique, and she was just as if she had fallen in love. She was all excited about this. And but then, but then she moved on into the geometric weaving, and she was just amazing. It was as if she produced overnight these wonderful weavings, and I was like, "Wow, I want to do that." So I was late in coming to weaving, even though like my sisters were already being collected by museums. So. Um, so when I saw my mother doing these things and being so excited about it, I was like, that's what I want to do. 
Plus, I don't like, like competition. And there weren't that many people weaving mm-hmm. textiles at mm-hmm. the time. And so um, I was like, okay, I can I cannot catch up with April and Holly with their talents for weaving the spruce root and the cedar. But the baskets. I, right, the mm-hmm. baskets and the hats. And so, um, so I picked up the textiles, and I really love... It's a very sensuous feeling to weave with the the wool and the cedar together. The, it's a soft on your hands, and it's it's just lovely. It's very tactile, and I really like that. Plus, I like the. I'm a very visual person. I mean, I I'm a painter of oils and watercolors, but uh, so when I picked up the weaving. The northern geometric weaving is black, white, and yellow, and that's it. That was the traditional colors. But the Nahin was black, white, yellow, and blue, and this beautiful, beautiful blue. And uh, and they also, your ability to weave the shapes and the figures was also attractive to me, to me because I was a visual artist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where the earlier weaving was geometric and so it you grafted your your design out and then you executed it in um, in in traditional techniques but but they were geometric they they were confined to the warp and the weft the 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 uh, horizontal and the vertical uh, but the nahin you could you could draw with your yarn. And so I was just intrigued with that ability to create the uh, shapes and and the lines of the form line in the weaving. So that was a challenge. And uh, I love a challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you are weaving, where do you go in your mind? Well, it's really, really important to be calm and to be positive because you never want to weave mistakes into your into your and and when you're thinking not positive then you definitely always get you know like if I catch myself thinking negative thoughts of whatever whatever kind of negative thoughts I always like stop myself right away stop my fingers and look back a couple of rows no, for sure, I'm going to find a mistake because I just I wasn't thinking right. So it's really important to take out those kind of mistakes because you really don't want to weave negativity into your weaving. Um, What's the furthest back you've had to go? Oh, my God, I don't want to even talk about that because <laughs> just before this trip, I made, I don't, you know, I had to tear out. I had to take it out. And... Uh, and it was an eye. It was an important eye. Um, and I'm very superstitious. Those eyes cannot be left undone. You, if you start an eye, you have to finish it. You can't leave it open. So just before I was on my way over here, I was like, I have to tear this out and I have to put it in. And it was a chore that I thought was going to take me two days to take out and two weeks to put back in. But somehow, 
I figured it out that I, I took out a day and I put it back in a day. So it really worked out, and I felt, okay, now I can go on my trip to Hawaii and study their art, you Mm -hmm. know. But I couldn't do it until I made it right with my weaving. Mm -hmm. And so what what is it that you're working on right now? I'm working on a diving whale Nahin chief's robe, which um, is a very prestigious uh, design. The diving whale is a design that is not a crest robe. It is a a prestigious luxury item that the chiefs um, would trade and share, just like the boxes Mm -hmm. and the coppers. So it isn't a crest robe, but it is a very important uh, design because it represents the power, the ruler of the ocean, the power of the ocean. and, um, And I've always... I've always known that was an important pattern, but I never was asked to do it. And uh, recently I got the commission to do the diving whale. And so now that I'm doing it, now I'm looking more and more into what is this, its story. Yes. What oral history uh, includes the diving whale and the story and the power of the ocean. So it's just getting me delving into more research uh, in addition to weaving um, the pattern. But the pattern is very conventionalized. It's um, Other patterns that I've done were, uh, were not as classic and not as conventionalized as the diving whale. But it, so I'm really happy to be part of this project and to have the diving whale be part of the robes that I will have, well, that I have been asked to weave. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Sitka Kwan. And a big thank you to Deborah O'Gara and Evelyn Vanderhoop for sharing their stories with us. Some of Deborah's woven work will be on display at the Petersburg Public Library beginning July 14th. And information about the traveling exhibition of masks entitled Protection, Adaption, and Resistance that Deborah mentions in her interview can be found in the show notes at seekavoices.org. That's S-E-E-T-K-A voices.org. Thanks for joining us. Voices of Sitka Kwan is recorded and produced on Hlinkit Ani, the historical homeland of the Hlinkit people, but also the current homeland and the land that holds their future. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Sitka Kwan. This show is a collaboration between the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee, KFSK Community Radio, and the Petersburg Public Library. It is made possible, in part, by a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the Alaska State Libraries, Archives, and Museums. It is also made possible by the generosity of our participants, including the volunteers on our content committee. We thank them for their enthusiasm and dedication. To participate in Voices of Seat Kukwan, contact Kari Peterson at the Petersburg Public Library 
Archives of shows can be found at seedkavoices.org. That's S-E-E-T-K-A voices.org, as well as on Spotify and Apple Media. Gnachtisch. Hey, 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 hey,